their world. Yes, they have eyes, but their first sense is acoustics. And they can more or less see into each other like an MRI scan all the time. They're truly living a transparent existence with each other, which is a philosophical question. What if you could not hide? If nobody could hide, you'd say, how are you? And say, oh, I'm fine. But the person sounding you, blasting you with sound and getting a picture image back like an MRI, it's like, you're not fine. You're stressed out. Your heart's beating a million miles an hour and you haven't eaten in five days. And I see you've got a cancer tumor over here. What would it be like to live truly transparently? That's a concept that dolphins and whales live with every day. You got to accentuate the positive. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you all. And if you're liking the shows, please remember to like and subscribe and leave a comment and all that good stuff. You know, I we all say that on the platforms that we do our podcast show because it helps the algorithms. Well, I've got the fabulous Eric Rankin with me today. Hello, Eric. Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm fantastic. And Eric is another one of the speakers at the upcoming Portal to Ascension conference in April. And we've got a lot to cover today. Sacred geometry, sound, all sorts of things. I've got a million questions. So I'm going to ask you what you're going to talk about at the conference. But let me tell people a little bit about you. Eric grew up in the yachting industry in Southern California, drawing from his experience as a licensed boat captain stunt boat operator for television and films, scuba diver and freelance writer, Eric created a lush and scenic backdrop for his first novel, The Aquarians, an ancient mind prophecy, a modern phenomena. Eric has traveled the world swimming with dolphins and exploring the Mayan ruins of the Yucatan. These experiences led him on a path that directed his attention to the end of the Mayan calendar, as we know, which was 2012, a moment in time that seemed to be serving as a spiritual wake-up call for humanity. And in 2012, during a debilitating injury, a female voice spoke to Eric in his mind, asking him to draw and stating that she could help him. Eric is credited with discovering a significant, previously unknown connection between geometry, musical harmonics. His groundbreaking research called Sonic Geometry suggests that not only is our geographic universe a symphonic system functioning in literal harmony with itself, but that this system may have actually been engineered by extraterrestrial beings. These findings take us back to an explosive moment in history when ancient Sumerians wrote that a technologically advanced race of the sky people had provided them with codes and clues which at some point in the future could potentially open up a channel of communication between species. And I'd love to know what else this could do because I think it can do a lot. So we're going to go into that. And he currently sits on panels with some of today's most renowned researchers in the field of physics, mathematics, human origins, and extraterrestrial contact. And you're 
website is sonicgeometry.com. So the first book was The Aquarians, and the new book is coming out in the next few weeks called yes. As Above, So As Below. Above, so, yes. The Quantum Teachings of Jesus. I'm interested yes. to know about that. So what are you going to chat about at the Portal to Ascension conference? Well, I will probably keep it more leaning towards the sonic geometry information because that's what, you know, got me interested in or got the interest in me from places like uh, Contact in the Desert. Huge, probably the largest in the world conference of regarding just strictly UFOs and, and extraterrestrials, being on Ancient Aliens, Gaia TV. That was all related to my sonic geometry research and work. So um, people will probably be familiar if they have seen the sonic geometry videos, might want a little more of that information. But I have been working on this project. This I've just been calling it the Jesus book for years and years. I actually started it in the mid-90s. And it then by the time I was done, it, it was actually a kind of a, a reinterpretation of the book of Matthew, seen through the lens of physics and, and what we know in modern science. And and cross-referencing it with Eastern philosophy. And at the time, I let a few friends read it and was like, who would want to read this? You're just going to you know, make Christians angry and everyone else is just going to be too Jesus-y. And yet, uh, so I, I picked it back up about three years ago, read through the manuscript, and I go, gosh darn it, I really feel like something good is here. And almost like maybe the timing is more right now, even though it's only 30 years later in the scope of 2,000 years of Christianity, and yet here in this very week, we've got a major movie that came out here in the States called The Jesus Revolution. Uh, and it's kind of about the hippie movement and the, the birth of one of the first mega churches, Calvary Chapel. And it is a major theatrical release and doing incredibly well. And then we have um, in our news stories, I'm reading about we're having these revival meetings at college campuses that have never been done before. And there's been this miniseries, a crowdfunded, high quality miniseries called The, the Chosen about Jesus. So it just feels like if there could not be a more right time. I don't know what it is. And it's not it's really not the Jesus that we got steered into to accepting from the first disciples and apostles to the Roman church, to how I would say most Christians probably worship Jesus at the time. This is not about worshiping. This is more about emulating Jesus that would apply to every human on, on earth because it's a message of kindness, compassion, service, forgiveness. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The timing is now. I've had uh, a, a American living in America, Chinese-born man on the show called Samuel Shong who is promoting a book that was written in the 80s by a French-Australian guy called The Tayuba Prophecy, which talks about this extraterrestrial race that seeded life on planet Earth, giants, you know, nine foot tall, hermaphroditic extraterrestrials. And they said that they created the body of the Jesus that we know that was crucified, in fact, that there were two bodies, and that indeed he was an extraterrestrial of a highly advanced civilization. And Samuel's doing great guns. People are talking to him all over the place. So, you know, people are wanting to know exactly what this energy Jesus person, who he was. Yeah. Christ consciousness. I don't know, I, but I, you would mention that because um, of the few shows that I've been on on, on um, Ancient Aliens, one of them was about this structure called the Integratron out in Joshua Tree, not far from where I live, about 150 miles from where I live. And I do uh, workshops there. The man who built the Integratron, George Van Tassel, was a Christian. 
and he believed that Jesus was most likely an extraterrestrial visitor. Um, if you've ever heard of Ashtar Command, uh, George Van Tassel was the first contactee of Ashtar Command and kind of alluded that he thought Jesus might actually be Ashtar without revealing it to people, that of uh, the technology, the miracle working, the ability to do things that we wouldn't think could be done, you know, turning into a being of light, beam of light, walking on water, these things that he described that Ashtar and, and the Galactic Federation of Light could, could do. So who knows? But I didn't... It, it's been very interesting because the two have felt kind of separate to me, the sonic geometry, the research, the physics, the science, and then here's the Jesus stuff. But actually, they they merged quite well in, in, in the process as I was fleshing out this book. And I had to borrow a quote from the Gospel of Thomas, which is um, one of the non-canonized Gospels. And his disciples are getting ready to go out and say, how do we, how do we tell people that you were... Uh, you know, this closely related to God, that you know what God is really all about. And he says, tell them that I am motion and rest. And that is the most crazy kind of quote. It's like, what the heck does that even mean? But if you get down to what is motion and rest, it's everything. It's breath in and out. It is uh, the binary system. It is pulse. Pulse becomes frequency. Frequency becomes, you know, or vibration. Vibration becomes frequency. All of a sudden, it sounds like Jesus really is kind of deeply aware of the workings of the quantum universe. So that's why I called the the byline the quantum teachings of Jesus. Absolutely. I think to myself, this highly evolved being, being on Earth a couple of thousand years ago, talking to the consciousness of the day, would have been really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon... I, I think yeah, I think so. You know, if you go back, I tried to, it's a very, it's a short book, 180 pages, but I do try and introduce to the reader um, the place and time that Jesus was in, and it, they were functioning, the culture of Israel at the time, and Judaism, and, you know, they're occupied by Rome at the time, but they were functioning under the code of Hammurabi, which was their most just, this is an ancient Sumerian code um, of conduct. And it was more or less an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You wouldn't you wouldn't kill somebody for stealing a loaf of bread, but you might chop their finger off. Right. And that seemed very fair. And then here comes Jesus and says, listen, that's not the way the universe works. Yeah. That's the way God works. There is really no punishment other than the punishment you choose for yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be a thief, if you're going to rip people off, if you're going to step on people to climb the ladder of success, that's what's going to happen to you. You could yeah. call it a karmic wheel, but it, it's really just the universal law of cause and effect. If you live in a scary world where people are going to do dangerous things, or you believe that to be true, the universe is going to say, I have no other option than to prove to you what you it is you believe. So, right. yeah, um, law of attraction. Yes. Uh, exactly. What you give, you get. Absolutely. Yes. Well, this is exciting. I didn't know we were going to go in this direction. I, but I <laughs> Right. Well, you, you mentioned it and there it went. So yeah. we'll just follow the conversation how it goes. Exactly. Well, I find that very exciting. Yeah, because yeah, Jesus won my buds, although I don't call him Jesus. Uh, but um, let's get into your story a little bit. So so you were in the yachting industry. Sounds like you're yeah. having a lovely time and you were doing stunt boat operations for television and film, scuba diving, yep. and you're also a freelance. Liar. And, and then something happened to you in 2012. What, what was yeah. that? 
Um, well, I, I had a gallbladder attack, more or less. Um, I had been having some gallbladder issues, and this one was really serious. The week prior is when I had gotten a download of something that I could never even expect to, to get. I am was not a person that enjoyed mathematics, geometry. I failed geometry in high school. I never took any kind of math or physics classes in, in college. Um, I didn't go to college very long. And so the, this information, a, a bed of information would come through. What happened? I was in my office building. I have a, a regular job on top of all the boat work I was doing everything else. And I heard a voice say, we want you to go into your conference room and draw on your whiteboard. And I'm like, who am I even listening to? What is this that's coming through? And I sat there and I followed this and I said, okay, um, what am I drawing? They said, draw a triangle. So I drew a triangle and I said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but there it is. And they said, now write down the sum total of its three angles. And I'm like, man, I barely remember the sum total. Probably the only thing I remember from my geometry class is the sum total of the three angles of a triangle. And here's a triangle right here is always 180. No matter what the triangle looks like, if it's a right triangle, equilateral triangle, the sum total of its three angles is always 180. I said, okay, well, I did that. And I said, one last thing, play that as a tone. And I'm like, play that as a tone. Uh, how would I even do that? Well, pre-iPhones and, and apps, you would have to go buy a piece of, of equipment that an audio engineer would buy, like to test speakers. But I figured, oh, there's probably frequency generating apps on our phones. And I plugged in 180 hertz cycles. A hertz cycle is how many vibrations per second. I set it on 180 and I heard a tone. And I'm going to, uh, I'll hum it, is... I'm like, well, okay, there's there's 180. So more or less the sound of a, of a triangle. And I said, is that it? He's like, oh no, we're just getting started. What's the next geometric shape? And I said, well, I guess in complexity, it would be a square or a circle. Square, what is the sum total of the angles of a square? That's 360, same as a circle. Four 90 degree angles, total 360. I played that. And the triangle was la, and then the square was la, and it was an octave. And that's a, a very common thing that people who play musical instruments know what an octave is. Same note, twice as high in pitch or half the pitch, but always the same free, same note, same tone. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. That's kind of a musical aspect to geometry right away. And said, so now go to the Pentagon. And I had to look up the sum total of a pentagon. It's if if a geometric shape has five angles, it's always 540 degrees. And I played that. And when I played that, if the triangle goes la, and then the pentagon was la, so it was la 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 la. And I play piano. I I'm play, a member of a band. I've played in a band for 20 years. And I'm like, well, that's a fifth. That is the most common musical harmonic that most music in Western music is based on. No matter the chord arrangement, a major chord, a minor chord, a seventh chord, it's going to have the first and the fifth in there. And I'm like, well, that's really interesting now. We're talking about music. And then I went to the hexagon. That was another octave of the triangle. Got to the heptagon or the septagon, seven sides. And that provided this other note. And it was a third. And so the... 
it was la 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 and then the octagon was another octave of uh of the uh hexagon or uh, the pentagon i'm sorry so the the primary geometric shapes in 2d which you would you could say launches our geometric universe triangle square circle pentagon hexagon septagon and octagon you can build virtually all geometry not virtually you can build all geometry out of those shapes and i'm like the chord that they build la 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 that's the that's the most beautiful chord in music we call it coming home it's almost like our souls and our ears recognize this triad of tones and go ah everything feels right and it's true if you listen if you're watching a movie and you hear a major chord it's accompanying a good, happy scene a um, couple falling in love the king and queen being announced the war being won you know the underdogs winning the game it's always this triumphant angels singing it's that exact chord and i'm like this is crazy the geometry is revealing major chord harmonics so i went i i don't think it was this computer probably was this computer so old and i started typing in because I wanted to learn more references of geometry to major chord harmonics or just geometry to harmonics. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything that it, by any work or any researchers done that said geometry reveals major chord harmonics. So I go, well, this would be impossible if I'm the first person to, to notice this. But as it turned out, I was. So Pythagoras, of all things, one of his most famous quotes people have heard the second half of is there's music of the spheres. And the quote is actually there is music in the spacing of the spheres, like the intervals between spheres and planets. There's probably a harmonic essence. But the other part of his quote is there's geometry in the humming of the strings. And I'm like, I just found out the particular hum of each geometric shape and it makes a, a major chord. So I was off and running, and I said, well, is this it? Is this all the information? And that information that day on a whiteboard turned into, I don't know if you can see all this, but it looks like the ramblings of Russell Crowe in uh, Beautiful Mind. It was Croft's referencing numbers, some that I knew, like you mentioned that I wrote a, a book called The Aquarians. I had to learn a little bit about astrology, and I learned that an astrological age is 2,160 years long. When I was doing more advanced geometry, a cube's sum total is 2,160. And I'm like, well, there's an interesting. And then I remembered, even from my book, The Aquarians, that the moon's diameter is 2,160 miles across. And I'm like, here we've got geometry. We've got planetary measurements. We have the measurement of geometry all arriving at the same exact number. This is a coincidence that's beyond a possibility, it seemed like to me. And sure enough, that is, I think, the biggest aspect of what this research reveals is the coincidence. Uh, um, Einstein had a famous quote that said, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Meaning, if you see enough coincidences, maybe you should take notice of where that that research is taking you, where all those coincidences might be guiding you to maybe a hypothesis or a theory. So that's what I did. I wrote everything down. 
I was friends with uh, a woman in Arizona that had just graduated a video production uh, school. And I sent her that piece of paper or a copy of it. And she said, I went to school to make this video. And I don't know how long it's going to take me, but single-handedly, it took almost a year, she made this sonic geometry video, which by the time it was done, we thought, hey, if it reaches a thousand back in 2013, that seemed like a lot or 10,000 people. And within six months, it had a million views, which back then was a big, big number. Wow. And then and three million. And then we made the second uh, the follow up video to it. And now it's millions of videos, you know, translated into numerous languages. There's college courses being taught on this information. And I'm just like, I am such the least likely person to be sharing this, but it came and I'm sharing it. So, and it just keeps expanding. And ultimately, the information is fascinating and you can just spin in the information. I have a lot of friends that do presentations and they will just blow you away with how much information there is. But at the end of the day, you kind of go, and what? What's the application? How do we use it? What's what's going to happen from this? Well, the very first thing that came to me is this is an announcement. This is a celestial cosmic handshake from somewhere out in the universe that says, we knew all this. We guided the math system that leads you to geometry. We've more or less hid Easter egg clues, like we call them in movies, throughout history. And when you start noticing them and putting together the conclusion you have to make, it's not a potential. You have to say there was an intelligence that is trying to reach out to us and establish contact. Now, what we do with that contact after it's established, I don't know, because we are still just taking, dipping our toe into the water of what this means. These number sequences that came through the research, um, everybody from Graham Hancock to, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Edward Grant, I think he will be speaking at the conference. Um, it, it, it doesn't end. The research doesn't end. And the the number sequences are clues in amongst um, um, in amongst themselves. They are the clues, and they offer us lots of opportunities to study and say where else can we see these numbers? Take the number four to the four thirty two. Four thirty two is not just a musical tuning system. That's what most people would think of it as: is detuning our popular four forty a tuning system to a, a vibration middle A at 432. But if you land there, and if you move around, like uh, I moved between notes in my sonic geometry video, all of these other sacred numbers show up as well. So I tend to think that it's not about the musical aspect or the scale, the musical scale of this information. It is much, much bigger, deeper, broader, more meaningful than that. And so there, there's this conspiracy theory that has was humanity taken off the scent, taken off the trail of 432. And I'll give you an incredible 432 coincidence. So Graham Hancock, I heard it from him first, but he wasn't the person to discover it. If you take the Pyramid of Giza and you measure its perimeter and multiply that times 432,000, you get Earth's circumference like pinpoint. If you take the, the middle of the pyramid 
and draw a line straight to its apex and multiply that times 43,200, you get the middle of Earth to the North Pole. These buildings were, were made at least 5,000 years ago, and the consensus among the spirit science community is they're much older than that, like maybe 12,000 years old or older than that. There's no way that there's a, a coincidental uh, bit of information being, being re revealed here. It is communication, but we could only put these pieces of information together once we had the technology to measure the Earth ourselves. We wouldn't have known there was any correlation between the Great Pyramid of Giza. We wouldn't have known that the moon at 2160 miles is the same as a cube until we could measure the moon. So we are in the era, truly, when people say we are the generation that we might have been waiting for, it's not far-fetched because we are the generation that has access to the technology. We created it, but we have access to this technology that proves the coincidence is beyond coincidence. And if it's beyond coincidence, what is it? It's communication. So that's where we're at. Whoa, so much I could say to all that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I I should stop more often and let you speak. No, no, I, no, get rolling. no. <laughs> no I know you get rolling. You're on a roll. Um, no, there's um, so all those numbers that you have talked about 432, 180, when you bring them down to a singular number it's always nine right it is it's, it's always, always nine. nine nine into infinity number. into infinity so you can take um 432 and you can have it have it have it have it have it into negative infinity you would doesn't make sense when you talk about vibration because that would mean negative vibration but no you can take the number sequence or you can take it into infinity out in, in expansion and and no matter how far you go, if you reduce, 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 like 432 is 4 plus 3 plus 2 is 9. Or if it's a bigger number, it'll be... Um, Even it, what, 2000 and the, yes. the, that reduced to 9 too. Yeah, the, 2160. Yeah, uh -huh, 2 plus 1 plus 6. Mm -hmm. right, yeah, mm -hmm. or it equals 18 and then 1 and 8 is... Right. is mm -hmm. So it, it, that is another aspect. And 9 is a, a huge number in science. Yeah. Uh, you know, because when the Mayans created zero, that kind of launched, but it really our counting system is truly more based one through nine. Yeah. Another. Have you heard of Jane, Jane Mathematics from Australia? Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 He talks yeah. about nine being the master number. I have, I've met, I've known Jane for like over 20 years, but I haven't actually had him on the show because he's always too busy. But we did talk a couple of years about, ago about him coming on the show. I have to say, when I hear when I get into this stuff, I glaze over a little bit. I haven't glazed over yet, <laughs> but I did study numerology when I was young, so I have a little bit of knowledge of the numbers, just sort of adding up numbers, because my numerology is like a triple nine. My name adds up mm. to nine. I live in a nine house. My birthday, I'm born on a nine day and a nine month and a nine year. It's like crazy. Oh, it's wow, like crazy. So I get the nine thing. Um, Okay. Uh, the application, you talked about the application. So you were given this, like potentially open up channels of communication between species, but yeah. there's just so much more to the mathematics of this. Like when you see this stuff, you go, wow, look at that. Like it makes a sound and it does this and it does that. But how do you apply it to everyday life as humans? Most humans want success and they want love and they want a good time. Like how are we applying it? Well, here's what my supposition is and it's you've already heard this supposition because it's one of the kind of the trends 
happens on uh, on you know YouTube or whatever is your pineal gland is they say decalcifying or activate your pineal gland. We hear a million different ways to do it, and that's a little bit of the problem, I suppose, in this stage of hyper availability to information. Everybody can say something, and pretty soon you're kind of lost in a field of oh, I heard 528 is the vibration of something, or I hear if you do this, or I blah, 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 blah. Maybe. There's no such thing as a bad frequency, but you're not tapping into the the, the numerical codes that have been haunting humanity for 6,000 years. And those codes came to the Sumerians from sky visitors they called the Anunnaki. And if you go and look at these Anunnaki murals, you will see often that they are holding what looks like a pine cone, but it is not the pine cone. It's a representation of the pineal gland because that's exactly what the, the root word, pineapple, pine cone, pineal gland, is all because of the structure. It is a spiral going this way against a counter-rotating spiral the other way, and there will be a certain number. If eight are spiraling this way, then the golden ratio number 13 will be spinning the opposite number. And it starts sounding kind of complicated, but that is the pineal pattern, and that's what ours is in our in our brain. I believe the pineal gland is a piece of hardware that was placed inside of us as a receiver. And over since the dawn of our written history, we always go back to Samaria. Samaria is where civilization maybe began or re-began, was rebooted for us. So I, I don't try and make too much distinction. We can't go back further than that because we don't have written records earlier than 6,000 years ago. We have structures that, that are compelling. Gobekli Tepe is a temple structure in Turkey that we think is 12,000 years ago. We, we think the Sphinx might be 12,000, but we don't have written records. We can't read about what they said. Egyptian hieroglyphics are younger than that. 6,000 years ago was when the world's first written language came on the planet, and that was a gift from the Anunnaki to the Sumerians. And we can read that language. There's something equivalent to the Rosetta Stone where we can read cuneiform. And we say, how did you you people, when most of the world was living as a, a hunter-gatherer existence, nomadic, not farming, just following fresh food source, kind of like aboriginals live in Australia, very much like that. How did one little branch of society in one specific geographical location, come up with so many of the invention, inventions that we use today. The wheel, the wheeled and axle vehicle, the plow, the arch, the pottery wheel, the loom to weave fabric, the sailboat, the first pyramid, the first multi-storied building, uh, agriculture. How do they do that? We can read their texts and they said, we did not come up with this information. This information was shared with us by these sky visitors that called themselves, or as we call them, the Anunnaki. People have their own ideas about who the Anunnaki were. Were they good guys? Were they bad guys? Were they reptilians? Were, was, was it a dark force, light force? I, I don't really know. But from that first visitation in Samaria, modern day you know, uh, Iraq, we have these codes. We cannot deny, no one can deny that these codes were embedded in stories they were embedded in myths. They were embedded in religious teachings. They were embedded in temples. They were embedded in 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 music. How, what is this? And to me, if we think that our pineal gland can be activated or deactivated, 
I think there was a group that was trying to activate our pineal gland through fr specific frequency. A singular specific frequency, I don't believe would do it. I think you need a more complex pattern. And when you play the tritones, it's almost like a holy trinity. All of a sudden, the three, three tones of a scale sound like uh, Leonard Cohen's um, Hallelujah. It says, I heard there was a secret chord that pleased the Lord. That might be an actual factual thing, that there is a secret chord that pleases these sky lords that are just waiting for us to figure it out, to retune and turn on our receivers and just and then sit back and watch what's going to happen. And I think we are on the very precipice of that event happening right now all around us. And do you think that the secret chord now I've got that song in my mind. No, no, no. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have never thought about what you just said. Like, yeah, right. That's in the song. Anyway, um, do you think that they're once we have more contact with them, they're going to bring us, you know, new ways of living on earth. Uh, and, you know, like I think about it in technology. I was raving about it yesterday to a friend of mine about free energy. And, you know, when we, when we shift our, like, we were talking about war, like all the wars of the planet, it's always about resources, right? It's always about oil or something. It's resources. And yet there is this free resource available. There's an abundance of resources. Right. The, the system we live in is free resources being governed by the few and sold to the many. Right. And keeping it in a state of lack, keeping all of it in a state of fear and lack and non-abundance. When we think about a tritone, this beautiful chord, the word that literally describes it is harmony. So to me, and nature reveals these harmonic triads as well. If you take the Fibonacci spiral, it will reveal that same tritone. The first six steps of the Fibonacci spiral will reveal that same musical chord. And that Fibonacci spiral launches life as we know it on planet Earth. I mean, and it goes from as small to a a spiral shell to as big as a spiral galaxy like ours, there seems to be a continuity of design, of patterning. And us as, as beings capable of pattern recognition, yet we have been somehow let off the scent. And I don't know who did that, but I do believe more or less like the same people that want to control us um, or would be the people that wanted to own this this information that the Sumerians received. When I think of what if we had gone from that moment on with that knowledge 6,000 years ago, where would we be today? Well, harmony would be much more important to us, living harmoniously with animals, the ecosystem, our planet, each other. Harmony is a word that comes surfaces in science, in music, in lifestyle, in spiritual conversations, and I do believe that that is what is trying to come through is we we would love to see you living in harmony with the this planet that you're inhabiting. And other animals do it. You look at dolphins. When I was a boat captain, I was so intrigued by dolphins. That's what the Aquarian's book is about. There's a, a very successful species that has lived on this planet for 40 million years looking like they look like. They actually were terrestrial creatures before that. So if evolution is, is an acceptable theory, all life comes from the ocean. Dolphins and whales were actually terrestrial creatures that lived on land for a while, and then for some reason went back to the ocean. Well, if you think of what is life like in the ocean for whales and dolphins, 
everything that's a struggle for us, weather, we have to protect ourselves. We have to have a roof over our head. We have to have clothes. We have to work for the food we get. Everything, the gravity of our existence weighs us down. Invert all that. Take exactly 180 degree opposite and say, what if you lived in a zero gravity environment and food was abundant? All you had to do is just follow it. Um, and and you didn't need clothes and you didn't need to build things and you didn't need to stockpile things. That's living harmoniously with the system and the planet that we are on. So, you know, I'm hoping that we, I, I kind of feel like we're at the end of our, of our opportunity. If somebody comes back and checks on us and says, well, do they get it uh, yet? It's like, well, no, and things are looking pretty dicey. You know, um, if we don't turn it around quickly, I have every hope that we can. Um, and I think it's we're living probably in the most exciting time in this planet's Earth bound history, organic history than ever. From the creation to wherever we go from here, I believe this is the pivot point that is the most important in, in any terrestrial planetary species is when you go from an analog existence, brute force, figuring out how to beat things and work things to a digital binary existence where you understand how the universe works. If you understand how the universe works, you understand that it is a beautiful, harmonic, symphonic system that works with itself. You might not think so. You go, oh, animals eat other animals or plants die or things like that, or people die, beings die. Yes, they do, but it's just a beautiful ongoing system that has been ongoing on this planet for a billion years with life forms on it. We seem to fight it. We, we fight it every step of the way. We fight death. We fight um, the planet and its ability to provide for us. We we do not care for it. We're not good stewards of it. If we don't change our behavior and patterns, we will just no hard feelings. It's not punishment It other than to ourselves. We've mm -hmm. done to ourselves and we can get ourselves out of this yeah you've just answered a question so my daughter has spends four or five months out to sea and she's a part of a docu-series that's now airing on australian television and uh she's so she's out there with the whales and dolphins she's a free diver and teaches people to free dive and we were talking about the whales and the dolphins the other day and i'm like how crazy to live in the ocean and have to breathe oxygen like have to come up for air like like who designed that system we were both talking about it so now you've just said they were terrestrial, and so they yeah. moved into the oceans. So well, they were breathing, breathing air. Yeah, they're yeah. air-breathing mammals. So dolphins are much more like us. Um, from the torso up, they have all the same bones we have. They have a rib cage. They have yeah. they have shoulders. They have vertebrae. They have a five-fingered hand in their pectoral fins. If you skin their side fins and look at it, it's a five-fingered hand. In the biggest whale is a giant five-fingered hand. So we know that they were terrestrial species. And yes, they breathe air. And yes, how do they do it? Because every single breath a dolphin or a whale takes is a conscious breath. They have to think about going to it. It's like, well, yes. how do they do anything else? Their brains are so complex that it's almost like they literally have two brains. And one can go into sleep mode. One eye will actually close while the other is fully active, swimming with the pod, catching fish, while the other half is asleep it's they are like aliens living amongst us for sure and yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely i was going to say a much more evolved species than humanity like i i would i would definitely think that if we're if an extraterrestrial race were to come down and start making some field notes and interview both of us it's like well look at us look at look at all this we build and like well there's a demerit you know <laughs> 
you didn't need to do that. But if you think of where we're going in our in our advanced medicine, in our advanced scientific studies, frequency and light are are becoming more a part of our daily lives and our technology every day. Well, dolphins and whales are the earthbound masters of frequency. That's how they sense their world. Yes, they have eyes, but their first sense is acoustics. And they can more or less see into each other like an MRI scan all the time. They're truly living a transparent existence with each other, which is a philosophical question. What if you could not hide? If nobody could hide, you'd say, how are you? And say, oh, I'm fine. But the person sounding you, blasting you with sound and getting a picture image back like an MRI, it's like, you're not fine. You're stressed out. Your heart's beating a million miles an hour and you haven't eaten in five days and I see you've got a cancer tumor over here. What would it be like to live truly transparently? That's a concept that dolphins and whales live with every day. They are magnificent creatures. Okay. So I also had another woman on the talking about the the sound, the frequency of the spheres, you know, there's many people with near-death experiences talk about the music that they hear on the other side and the music of the cosmos. And I had another woman on the show uh, last year, 2022, who was an artist and she started channeling what she calls solfeggio frequencies as a, ge- a sacred geom- geometrical shape. And she started painting these solfeggio uh, frequencies. Her name is Susan Walter. Have you heard of that? Uh, no, only because my research does not does not go down the Solveggio trail. So it mm-hmm. does not. So it's its own study. People have been hearing about Solveggio frequencies now for maybe uh, 15, 20 years. It was created by a he's actually a dentist. He is a doctor. His name is Leonard Horowitz. Um, and he had a partner and they came up with this this idea and it reads when you read it on the surface sounds very similar to the Anunnaki sky visitor sacred sound uh, and here's reasons why these number codes are so significant and things all I'm going to say is there's much much less information to bolster the solfeggio information than there is say the 432 grid scale and, and numbers and I don't want to knock anybody that's studying any of those things but it has not been in my field of, of research and by intention it, because they don't they don't mesh well with each other. Uh, interesting. So the solfeggio frequency is not 432. No. Solfeggio, um, the, the solfeggio numbers, and there's a really romantic, dramatic story about how they came to be that monks living in Europe understood these tones as as being really secret, secretly powerful and they were shut down by you know evil, evil dark forces and tried to keep keep them alive um all of that is very difficult to believe because we don't have recorded uh, instances of these numbers and if you were to look at your phone you would get these number sequences so um 528 would be one or it's inversions 258 or 852 741 or 714 360 or or 630 um, it's it's like the numbers on your phone, more or less, uh, uh, going across in lines. They are not harmonic. They don't launch a scale. Solfeggio was a term created in Italy to just make a um, a convenient way to remember the scale. So the solfeggio scale really literally is nothing more in musical terms. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. That's solfeggio. In the way that the word was created, it was a mnemonic device. I can never say that word. Mnemonic device to 
as soon as you give the scale words, it's easy to remember. You don't go la, 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 la. But if you sing it, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, that's the solfeggio scale. In the work, as Horowitz revealed it, it has nothing to do with the musical scale. It has nothing to do with historical numbers. It has ancient priests could have not known of vibration cycles per second uh, to know that 528 or any of these could could have been mystery numbers. So, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. I'm I'm pleased in some ways that it ignited an interest in frequency, but at the same time, you, it starts branching off. In you're either in the solfeggio camp or you're in the 432 camp, and some people will try and merge them, but they do not merge musically or or historically or anything. They don't merge, and that's enough about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough about that. All right, well, to move on, to move on. You know, as I was, as I was listening to you on other podcast shows, you were talking about ringing in the ears. So we've got a group that comes together and a lot of people talk about what's the ringing in the ears thing and I've asked this question with many people but you've got a different take on it because because you get because I get the ringing we all get the ringing in the ears right some people yeah. say it's constant some people say I just have it constantly I know when it's I get it me. is it constantly constant. when I get it I'm like oh and I stop and I just listen and I just mm. chill and I listen and then it goes away but um what what does it mean to you <laughs> well, I have to just live with it, and it doesn't bother me. I have this high-pitched, shrill ringing in my left ear, usually, 24-7. You know, some hearing aid devices have a shrill tone. That's the way they work, is constantly ringing and keeping your eardrum vibrating. Um, but to me, the, and you will hear people in the spiritual community say, well, it's almost like a transmission bandwidth, like an FM bandwidth. It's you're actually opening up the channel of communication, and that's nothing more than the channel being open. I don't know about that, but let's 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 see if I can explain this to you of why this might be so. So when I did the sonic geometry video, I realized that all of the geometric forms, whether it was flat two-plane geometry, multi-dimensional geometry, platonic solids, or even sacred geometry, the flower of life always revealed the same three tones, except one shape, and that was the dodecahedron. And the dodecahedron is made of uh, 12 pentagons. You, you, if you saw one, you would know it. It does not make one of those three tones. So I eliminated, I did not discuss it in any of my sonic geometry videos or the work that I did up until about two years, years ago. I did just didn't address the, the deca, dodecahedron because it was the only one that didn't fit the matrix that I ended up calling the factor nine matrix, even though the sum total of it is uh, 6480, it does total 18 reduces to nine. So in that way it does, but it's not held in the script. So I didn't talk about it. Over the, the course of the years, Sonic Geometry has been out 10 years now on YouTube. Many scientists have done research. Robert Grant, that's how we met is he saw my video and reached out to me and wanted and had me become a part of his research team. Um, a guy doing some research in Wisconsin or somewhere in middle America. And he goes, how come you don't have the dodecahedron in your work, in your videos? And I said, well, it doesn't fit for the reasons I just explained to you. It's a very shrill, it's not a pleasant tone to hear. It's super, super high shrill, like a dog sound kind of, kind of hearing. 
Um, and I go, I just, I just didn't put it. He goes, well, I found it interesting that I played the sum total of a dodecahedron, 6,480 cycles, many cycles per second. And I instantly recognized it as the tone ringing in my ears. And I'm like, well, that is interesting. And he goes, not only that, I have a lot of people who follow my work. I sent them this tone. I, I sent out a, a mass email, I think it was. Do you have ear ringing? I want to send you a tone. And more than half the people, like 75% of the people said, how could you possibly know this tone ringing in my ear? Like exact, it will almost cancel it out. It comes in one ear and, and it, it it matches vibration and almost cancels it out. It's the weirdest thing. And then I started doing some research on the dodecahedron. So we have the four platonic solids representing in, in old belief systems, earth, air, water, fire. The tetrahedron is earth, I believe, you know, the, the four. And the fifth element, the spirit element, is the dodecahedron. The sound of the dodecahedron is what is bombarding us for some reason. So it it it's not impossible. I don't think it's even weird to assume now that the spirit geometric form, the sum total, the frequency of that, 6,480 cycles, is coming through. And, and maybe it is the universe trying to open a channel of communication for us or activating our pineal gland or whatever. It's not pleasant to listen to, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So as I'm listening to you, what I'm thinking is that when you play the sound, it cancels it out. So as it, to me, it's to me, it's like guidance. People have asked me this question, what's the ringing in the ears? And I said, you're perceiving frequency. It's a, it's a different frequency than you normally perceive and, you're, and it's happening and you're perceiving it as ringing in your ears. So that's been my explanation, but not more than that. But what I'm feeling as I'm listening to you is that it's like a call. It's like shift your vibration to match me and then the ringing will stop. Oh, I haven't had that. <laughs> Other than, you know, there there are times, I see what you're saying. If you if you get the matching frequency, um, I just always hear it. So I, I if I, the only way I can cancel it is if I mechanically play it out, you know, on a device. Mm -hmm. Play, like if you can go to YouTube, type in 6,480 hertz, all your the people curious as what that sounds like, or if they have ear ringing, they can go do this right now. Go to YouTube, type in 6,480 hertz, you'll hear it, okay. and you, you will go, oh my gosh. And if you turn your head different ways or move into different parts of the room, you will find that it will actually cancel out. Let me ask you, did it start after you had the download in 2012, or did you have it before that? I think I had it before that. I don't, you know, it's a good question, actually. I don't remember because it's, it just feels like it's always been kind of with me. It's always there, yeah. If it has been or not. Um, I became more aware of it once I started doing this in 2012, thinking about frequency and the power of frequency and the meaning behind these codes. It does get one crazier than that in 6,480 in a way that I didn't uh, remember. If you remember, it, it, in, when you octave, you double tones. So you double the frequency. So 6,480, if you double it, more or less, it, meaning it's the same tone, same note, it, that's uh, 12,000 something. And if you double that again, you get 25,920. Well, 25,920 becomes truly a significant number that is in my sonic geometry videos. It's the Earth's wobble 
It's called the, the precession of the equinox. It's why how we measure our astrological ages. If you divide 25, 9, 20 divided by 12 astrological ages, you get the 2160 we were talking earlier. So there is this cosmic coincidence in a mechanical function of Earth. This is not, you know, when we start talking about stuff, if you're going to have scientists take you seriously, which I didn't know if they would or not in my sonic geometry video. I thought I was going to get trolled and everybody kind of laugh at it. But I got some very serious response from some really deep researchers, researchers and scientists and polymaths like Robert Grant. So um, it's like, how do we how do we think about these numbers? How do we what is the application? What is coming through? And I just think we're 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 not there yet. We're just beginning. But there is something going on like when. You mentioned Jane, and it's J-A-I-N, uh, a great guy. I've, I watched his videos quite a bit. It's actually called Jane 108. So let's take 432. Let's have that. That's 216. Let's have that. That's 108. That number is everywhere. And when I say these numbers are embedded in our stories, I'll give you an example. When you see the young, fit Buddha sitting there wearing just a, a like a toga meditating, this isn't the big fat roly-poly Buddha. This is young fit Buddha serenely meditating. The story goes he was meditating nude in the hot sun. And the, a snail saw him and said, oh, my gosh, he must be just so uncomfortable meditating like that in the hot sun. How could I help him? He rallied 108 exactly snails. And those little curls that you see on Buddha's head is not curls of hair. It's 108 snails cooling his head so he could meditate more calmly. Or mala necklace in Hinduism. You have 108 exactly beads. Well, I just became aware of something just on a, on a TikTok video. It wasn't TikTok, it was Facebook Reels. There are 108 Earths wide. Take 108 Earths wide. That's the sun. The sun is 108 suns away from Earth. The moon is 108 moons away from Earth. There is something so big going on here that is revealed in these number codes that happen to be harmonic as well. And that it's just like, what is going on here? And as soon as you truly grasp it, like Jane grasps it, I would say that most people, they go, yeah, yeah, that's very fascinating all stuff. But when you truly grasp in a way that I can't even describe, it's maybe a feeling or a knowing or a a download or a channeling, when it starts to grip and build itself inside you, when these puzzle pieces start actually putting themselves together in your awareness, you see a picture that says everything is different than what we've been told about our existence. And there is an intelligence, a species, a race, a somebody that knew something, if not engineered this whole thing that we are living on. And they have been actually trying to secretly like Without be hitting us over the head, they have been giving us these little Easter egg codes, codes and clues since the dawn of written history, 6,000 yeah. years. You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about the applications because I'm thinking about my extraterrestrial brothers and sisters and how they live and how they live for hundreds of years and they have instant, you know, just thinking about the people from the cyber, the cyber prophecy, the, the nine-foot-tall hermaphroditic, ETs, they have complete mastery over manifestation in that they can generate from the molecules, uh, you know, a, 
a body, a person. They can levitate. They can create technology, like you said, walking on water. It's basically levitating, this whole Jesus thing. And I'm thinking that humans, this is what I'm thinking as I'm listening to you, you know, the word evil is live backwards. Mm. And it's kind of like with our technology and our systems and our thinking, it's like we're moving against the flow of nature instead of flowing with her. And your work is about flowing with her as we understand a new system. And when we do, we have that ability to live for hundreds of years, to heal instantly, to create technology. Potentially. And if there are the people that are concerned, if there are people that believe in extraterrestrials, like, well, how do we know these are the good guys? How do we know this isn't whatever scary alien you want to think of, the lizard people or whatever? the greys or somebody with a dark agenda, you have to look at how this information is embedded in the natural world that we're living in. Unless you think of the entire world and its construct, its geometric essence is evil itself, then you have to think, no, they're trying to share their awareness of this geometric essence and just trying to get us on board with it in in any way that they can. And I almost think that there's a possibility, if you want to go in the dark hat, white hat, good guy, bad guy scenario, that there were, because that's the Bible story. God was the good guy. Lucifer was, even though Lucifer means bringer of light, Lucifer was the bad guy who tempted humanity and started humanity in this dark path. So there's always kind of this good guy, bad guy scenario. What if the good guys, our creators, the small g engineer gods, like in the movie, uh, there's a bunch of movies, the engineers, Prometheus, where there's engineers that travel. And I think this is highly actual possible. And it's even if you construe the Bible, that the Nephilim or we are created in their image or the Nephilim came and mated with the women of earth at the time, even though they might not have looked like you and uh, modern humans. These stories are actually in the Bible. When we think of the word Anunnaki as giant beings, you can go to the book of Numbers, written by Moses, as he's going into the promised land, Canaan, he sends a couple of spies and he says, hey, can we raid that city? Can we take it? They weren't gifted the land of milk and honey. They had to go fight for it. And the spies came back and says, yeah, I think we can do it. The only problem is the giant Anaks are still living amongst the people there. This is in the Bible. The Anak sounds, and giant sounds a lot like Anunak and giant, or, you know, looks like us, human-formed, bipedal, upright creatures. It's so fascinating. And I truly believe that maybe the reason all this stuff is coded and a little bit mysterious, it was almost like circumventing the dark agenda. The dark agenda wanted to keep us enslaved. There were certainly aspects from the very beginning of society where the few are going to lord over the many. And that's been, whether it's a a fiefdom, a kingdom, a democracy, you have the few socialism ruling the many. Um, And what if we just seeded these powerful clues to the many to where the dark side didn't even know what we were doing? You know, it's like, oh, go ahead and send, you know, let them write their stories with 432 and 72 and 180 and all these numbers in them. They're not going to figure anything out, or maybe they didn't even know what was going on. But I think there's a possibility, and I've actually been told this in some of my visitations, if you want to call them, that that's exactly right. That there, there is an aspect 
that wants us to know, wants us to be empowered, wants us to understand the, the nature of nature and how creation works and how vibration works and how sound and vibration are primary forces of that. It's called holding the pattern. If you create sound and you get sound waves canceling each other out, you get standing waves. It looks like sound is not just doing this or doing this, it holds. These waves cancel each other out. Well, as soon as you have static holding pattern, you could almost like skin it or apply texture or whatever it is, as long as you're holding the pattern. So I think somebody wants us to understand this and we're on the precipice of doing just that. Hallelujah. <laughs> as Leonard Cohen would say. <laughs> as Leonard Cohen would say. Hallelujah. Okay, before we go, how do you see the future? Like when you look into the future, from all that you've discovered and all the downloads you've been given and all the insight, uh, how do you see the future for you? I know there's many timelines depending on what you're focused on, but how do there you are see many, There are many timelines. Deep down, I am very hopeful for our species. I believe we are just getting started in unlocking the mystery of who we are, why we're here, where we came from. At the same time, I think we're very near collapse. I think those two things are happening at the same time. Um, and I don't know how it plays out. And maybe a collapse is what's needed before a reboot, where it just gets so messy, there is just no saving it. I don't want to think, think that that's the way it's going to go. I don't think it's an agenda of punishment for our actions. It's us punishing ourselves. It's like, hey, you know what's right. You know what pollutes the air. You know what unsustainability is. You know all these things. And you continue. That's what cognitive dissonance. I, I hear the term cognitive dissonance thrown around all the time, and half the time it's wrong. Cognitive dissonance means you know what's right and do wrong anyway. Smoking is bad for your lungs. I know that. It's been proven. I'm going to smoke. That's cognitive dissonance. I know that brushing my teeth is healthy for my teeth. I'm not going to do it. Whatever it is, that's true cognitive dissonance. So our species knows what's right. We know the Jesus message. Let's just call it the Jesus message. Christ consciousness, forgiveness, kindness, service to others. It, it, all those things, we know what's right. And yet, how often do we go out in public and, and really act on those driving forces? We don't. And if we don't, we have created our own reality based on that fear and mistrust and um, raping of the earth and killing of other species. It's just what we've done to ourselves. So it's not, no one's punishing us. We're punishing ourselves. Do we get to a point where it collapses? Possibly. And out of the collapse, Phoenix-like, there's a reason there's a, a myth of the Phoenix. It had to be the ashes. You couldn't, you, you can't carry. I've seen so many, and I'm going to sound very judgy, but I've seen very many spiritual teachers drop some really deep spiritual tr truths and then the next sentence out of their mouth is like and don't forget where you heard that folks copyright trademark i'll sue you if you share this I'm like wait a minute that's not the same message you have to embody and actually act out the, the thing that you know is the right thing if we do that i think there's every hope for us and i think einstein said war is over the minute everybody puts their gun down sounds crazy sounds oversimplified but it's true. If everybody said, I'm not going to kill somebody today, then that's the way it plays out. So 
Knock, knock. Keys are in the, uh, oh. down there in the. Uh, oh, um, thank you. Down there. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good neighbor telling me that he found my keys and he knew they were mine. So. Oh, beautiful. Truly, truly what we're here to do. We're here to be good to each other. And I, and I. I try and do that myself to the best of my ability. I'm not, I'm human. So I, I trip up. Yeah, but... we trip up. I, as you were saying, it's the Jesus message. And what was going through my head was love thy neighbor. And then your neighbor just came in to give you your keys. <laughs> there it was. Like, <laughs> I'm here doing things. Love you. thy neighbor. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. funny this morning, just a little, I got up five and uh, there was someone looking through the garbage bins for recycling, because if you take cans and bottles, you can get a few cents for them. And then sure. one of my neighbors came out and started abusing this person. Don't touch my bin. Get away. Move on. And oh I'm like God. going. Wow. Because it's fear. You know, fear, you've probably, I'm sure you are aware, it's not love and hate. It's love and fear. Fear yeah. is hate. And the fearful person fears uh, someone that maybe looked like this homeless person. They think there's a threat. They're going to keep coming back. If they stop this now, you know, they, they won't come back and be rummaging through and run into them while they're going down to their car, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's a fear yeah. thing. Same. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, darling one. Well, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure to speak with you today. And you're amazing and wonderful. And uh, it would be great to see you live at the Portal to Ascension conference in uh, San Diego in April, but I won't be there. I'm oh, not you're allowed. not. I was, I was just going to ask. I'm not are you allowed coming? into your country yet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there you go. That'll change. <laughs> That'll change. We, let's, let's not even go down. But you'll have to come down under if you want me to introduce you to people that put on conferences here. I'm happy to do that. We've got a conference in Queensland that quite a few people come to. There's a there's a, a friends of mine. They used to live in Sydney. They moved to a place called Lord Howe Island, which is a beautiful oh. island off the coast. Off the coast, Google it or or research it. I shouldn't use that. No, I, I have a friend who worked on Lord Howe. Lord Howe Island, right? And they're putting on a conference soon, but they put on conferences, so I can put you in contact with them because, uh, yeah, I think your work is fascinating, and it would be wonderful to see you live. Mm. Yeah. Well, I love sharing the information. I mean, that's really my motivation is just to share the information. And I encourage everybody uh, in my book, Jesus kind of alludes to the point that we are all ministers. And mm. it's like, what do you mean by that? Well, if no matter how you act, you're a minister, you're an example to someone, you might be an example of what they don't want to emulate, or you can be an example of something they might want to emulate. So I encourage everyone to really take their lives, their conduct seriously, because it matters more now, I think, than it ever has. Absolutely. And good neighbor. Be kind, be gentle, be of service, be forgiving, be loving. Love thy neighbor. <laughs> yeah, love thy neighbor. Simple as that. It wasn't complicated. <laughs> wasn't complicated. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with us today. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. I hope to see you soon. I'd love to come to Australia and see you. One day. One day soon. We'll see. All right. Thank you. Well, Eric was awesome. I really didn't know what to expect with Eric. I hadn't really looked into his work before because, as I said to him on the show, sometimes when you get into this mathematical ge geometric stuff, I sort of glaze over. I know I do that with Jane's work too. I can see the brilliance of it, like I can get it. But then when they get really technical and start rattling off the numbers, I sort of tend to glaze over a bit. Uh, I didn't glaze over today, though. I kind of understood everything he said, so that was good. <laughs> Hope you did too. Maybe you're not like me. Maybe you're into the numbers. 
But yeah, fascinating, beautiful man, beautiful man. So I'm so pleased that Neil introduced me to Eric. Wonderful. And yeah, he's done a lot of talks. He's all over the place. He's, you know, on Gaia television and all and um, ancient aliens and history channel and all those sorts of things. So he's been everywhere. Wonderful. Yeah, it was a great talk. The new book sounds interesting. Not quite out yet. We are in, where are we? What's the date today? 8th of March in the States and 9th of March here in Australia. So he's hoping to get it up in the next couple of weeks. So uh, I'll have the link on my website for the new book uh, and I'll have the link for the old book too. The dolphin one sounds great too. Wonderful. Dolphin girl. My daughter's a dolphin girl. I'm a dolphin girl. Love the ocean. I'm sure I was a some sort of dolphin or whale in a past life. <laughs> I still look a bit like a whale on the beach these days. <laughs> but yeah, we were talking about flow, you know, the flow of energy and how the frequencies are in harmony with the flow of the geometry and the, the harmonics of earth and evil is lived backwards. And, you know, there's so much evidence that there is no good and evil, so to speak. There is no right and wrong, good and evil. There is only flow and then moving against the flow. And, you know, the the teachings of Abraham have spoken about this so beautifully. There's only one source and it's a source of pure positive energy, which you can flow with or you can pinch it off or you can interfere with that flow. It's like if you have a waterfall and then you put a rock, you sort of interfere with the flow and you create havoc in your life. And this is what we've deemed as evil. We're just kind of going against the flow of life. There is no good or evil. There is just flowing with the flow of pure positive energy or not, or pinching it off or interfering with it. Yeah, that's the way I look at the universe anyway, although I know many people do not. And the whole Jesus thing, you know, with his new book, I was thinking as he was talking, I thought a lot of things that he didn't say because he's a good talker. That, you know, I think we need to renovate religion, don't we? Because there's just so much dogma within our religious systems that do not flow with uh, nature herself. And I think that the teachings of Buddha and Jesus were definitely in harmony with the natural rhythm of life and nature and the cosmos. And we need to return to this harmonic resonance with the natural rhythm of life and the cosmos. Wasn't that fascinating about the snails on top of the Buddha head? I didn't know that. I've got lots of Buddha statues around. I've got one that's dying out the back. It's a wooden one that's melted and all the rain we've had over the last couple of years. It's just melting. But he's got that snaily thing on top of his head. I'm going to go and look at my Buddhist <laughs> statues. The snails. Wow. That's the first time I'd heard that story. I loved that. Beautiful, beautiful man, Eric Eric Rankin. So check him out at, at, um, at his website and at the Portal to Ascension conference. And I'll be talking to another person. The reason I've only put up a couple of shows this year, so I was telling Eric, in the last six weeks, I've had four people cancel on me. <laughs> One was Neil. He rescheduled on the day I had scheduled him in, said, I can't do it. Can we reschedule? And then somebody else was sick and then somebody else didn't turn up. And then somebody else was in hospital. They had good excuses. So I didn't have chance to reschedule and pop someone else. I only do one show a week. We do other things. You know, we've got courses and groups and and some and a guest teachers coming in this week, actually, into the Inner Sanctum, Jacob Cooper. But over the last six weeks, I've had four people mess me around. And so there hasn't been many shows happening this week or this year. It's been an interesting year of disruption personally. But uh, just like I said to Eric, if things don't turn out, then you just got to go to the beach. <laughs> go with the flow. If this is what's happening, let it happen. 
have to say I have been a little peeved at it. And then I have to say, well, this has happened. There's nothing I can do about it. Like Byron Katie says, when you argue with reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time. So if I'm arguing and saying, no, this shouldn't be, this is not good, I'm losing. I'm going against that flow. So why argue with reality? This is what's happening. It's a beautiful world. Go with the flow. Be in harmony with the sonic geometry of nature. All right, as I said, Jacob Cooper, or Jake, I think he's calling himself Jake now, he was on the show last year, had an NDE, and we had a great conversation about reframing our lives, which is just what I was talking about. You know, when stuff happens, do we frame it in the negative or the positive? Do we see it as a lesson? Can we see it as something that we learn from, we grow from, or are we suffering from it and being a victim to it? Anyway, it was a great conversation. He's released a new book. He's coming into the Inner Sanctum this weekend, which will be the 11th in the US, 12th in Australia, to talk to us about his new book and um, yeah, and all the wisdom he gained from his connection with the broader perspective. He's lovely. He was wonderful. So I enjoyed my conversation with him a couple of years ago, so I will look forward to meeting him. If you want to come and meet him, sign up to the Inner Sanctum. It is free. I do ask for donations. I do appreciate any support that you would like to give me. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's not mandatory, so you can come and meet him on Zoom and quiz him and ask him questions and get involved in this conversation and um, take this wisdom out to the world or use it to change your own life, whatever you want to do with it. We will stream some of it, not all of it. I stream about an hour on my platform and then we have a more intimate discussion, which I don't record or stream, just with the people who are on Zoom. We can chat openly and freely and not worried, be worried about other people listening, you know, just the people that are on Zoom. So if you want to come and join us, I'd love you to come and join us. Big love to you all. Thanks again for listening and watching. And if you haven't checked out the book Awakened by Death, do so. It's a fascinating read and I will see you soon. Bye for now.